Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we've got another sponsor to tell you about, Phil Supreme. They're a nationally recognized brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins, and much more. Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions, including UFC, Bellator, Brave, and Cage Warriors with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram, which is at Phil underscore Supreme, or their website, www.philsupreme.co.uk, and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I am Blake Harrison, and joining me, as ever... Stu Whiffin, hey there, mate. I'm all good. You all right? I'm good. I'm good. Um, let's be honest. We've been staring at each other's faces for a little while now because this is one of the many Cage Warriors interviews that you're, we're doing in a bulk for you mm. to listen to. And this is sort of a, a, a part one of, of two, really, isn't it? Because we've got, uh, I'm just going to say it, we've got Luke Shanks on the mm-hmm. show today. Um and I think we may have already released or at the same time released our episode with Sam Creasy because this is the first time ever on the MMA Fan Podcast that we're interviewing two fighters in quick succession that will be facing each other. So yeah. on, on December the 11th at Cage Warriors 132, Luke Shanks, Sam Creasy is defending his flyweight belt uh, against Luke Shanks in a rematch because in the first fight, which was for the vacant title... Um, there was some controversy, wasn't there, Stu? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess we use the word "phantom tap." Is that is that is that the right thing to say? It's what uh, I've heard, so I'm using it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Luke will probably contest that it was phantom. Um, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, go go watch it. I'm sure you you can find it on Fight Pass or, or, or YouTube. Um, and you know, Luke, you know, he's he's convinced that he. That, that Sam tapped 30 seconds into round one. Um, ref didn't see it. And, he, I mean, you've got to really watch the... the, the, the I mean, we, we talk about this, obviously, when we start the, the episode. And, you know, it is... 
as he says that you know they're, they're they're little fellas so they move so quickly and you've got to really be on point to see this tap and it's a split second thing and and yeah and 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 credit to sam again we talk about this you know sam's quick to say look i don't want any controversy over me having this strap so let's run it back so that's that's what's going to be happening um at the uh the, the uh, one night of the double trouble events at york hall 10th and 11th for december um and yeah so we're, we're recording a, a bundle with lots of the, the fighters but yeah this is as you say this is going to be a, an interesting one because uh, we're interviewing both fighters so we'll get both perspectives but for today today we've got luke the apocalypse shanks we will talk to him about all the usual stuff but particularly we start off by talking about that phantom tap and uh, i'm sure we've done the same with sam who we'll be interviewing soon as well getting his perspective on that and then you can make your minds up. Uh, you can watch it, as Stu said, on Fight Pass. You can go onto Luke Shank's Instagram page. He's got some interesting angles of, of where he thought the tap happened only 30 seconds into round one. And then what actually happened in the end was was uh, a really great fight. I'd really recommend watching the fight. Uh, and uh, Sam Creasy ended up getting the decision by guillotine mm-hmm. in the third round. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what perspective you want to look at it as. Maybe it's 1-1, maybe it's 1-0, who knows. But we will get a uh, a final result, hopefully, on December the 11th at Cage Warriors 132. Sam Creasy against Luke Shanks. But for now, let's listen to Luke the Apocalypse Shanks. Luke Shanks, thanks very much for coming on the show. Uh, how are you doing today? Uh, it's a pleasure, mate. Yeah, good. Thanks yourself. Good, thank you, All mate. Good. good. All uh, good here. You are rematching Sam Creasy at Cage Warriors one thirty two for the flyweight belt. I think we're going to have to just go straight into why this fight's happening because obviously the first fight was it was a cracking fight. I was watching it on uh, on Fight Pass, and annoyingly, I don't know if you're aware of this, the Fight Pass feed dropped off, uh, and you got like a big screen just saying. Fight Pass is having some technical difficulties. So I missed uh, how, because basically I think it was like some point in the first round it went down and then it came back yeah. up in like the the kind of middle of round two and all of a sudden Sam's nose was completely busted. I was like, oh no, what's happened? What's happened? <laughs> but um, but one thing that's, uh, it was a great fight. It ended in third round uh, uh, with a, a guillotine choke where Sam got the win. But the big talking point after the fight seems to have been that there was a phantom tap in uh in round one very early on you you caught him in an arm bar and uh at the time i tried to look for a clip and i couldn't find it anywhere immediately afterwards since then i have seen it what did you do you think that obviously you do you you think that he tapped out 30 seconds into round one and that's where the fight should have been stopped is that is that correct well, yeah, definitely. I, I knew I tapped him out. And um, the thing is, a flyweight, if the ref don't see it, it's so quick. You're either going to snap his arm or let go. And, uh, yeah, we were former training partners in the past. And he, I'd class him as a friend of mine. So, obviously, I didn't want to snap his arm. And then uh, I, I let go. And then he took my back and, and slammed me down. And we just carried on fighting. And, uh yeah, at the time, uh, as a fighter, uh, obviously you're in a you're in a fight. You don't you don't just stop or start talking to the referee. That's not in the uh, that's not in the the writing you sign when you 
doing these fights. So um, I just carried on and uh, I was so confident I was going to get him again. And then at the end, I was just going to say, well, I got him twice. But of course, uh, one one shot, one one uh, malfunction. And uh, you're dealing with like, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. So it's like one one little mistake and you, you can get submitted yourself. So um, yeah, we're just going to run it back. And uh, yeah. I'll, I'll get my gold back. So you you felt it at the time. Because I was going to ask you, did you feel it in the moment, or yeah, did yeah. It, did you have to then go and watch the footage? But you felt it in the moment because I'm surprised oh, yeah. that like when watching the fight that at the end of round one, because I un- completely understand what you mean. Like if you're in the middle of a fight, if you switch off and start complaining to the ref, you you think of like the Bisping Anderson Silver fight when he started saying to the ref, "My mouth guard," yeah. then he got kneed in the face. You know, you can't yeah. you can't switch off and do that. But yeah. I, I I kind of thought well. If it was me, I'd be like, at the end of round one, I'd been like, fucking hell, ref. How did you not yeah. see it? But you just thought you had to stay in the mindset of the fight. Yeah, Graham, when I spoke to him afterwards, because uh, at this point, we'd all got back to the hotel. I got off the bus. I'd spoke to another few other officials and commissions. And I, I said, you seen it, didn't you? And they, they just kind of smiled, smirked, and didn't really say anything. So a lot of people did see it. It was just a shame my corner team at the time weren't on that side. And then um, I thought if I complained at the end of round one, they wouldn't have done anything. But apparently now they they do do like replays, like really? football, where we're in the past. You don't do that. Yeah. And um, Dan, the ref, to be fair to him, oh, I'm a bit mad about the whole thing. But he, he tried to get the result changed because he watched the footage back and said, look, I made a mistake. And uh, sadly, um I was told there's no commission in the UK protecting us guys from uh, this kind of thing. In my opinion, I know, I know, and um, most people know I won that fight in the first round, 30 seconds, but I would have been happy with just right now as a no contest. So I don't get a loss on my record and going again, because it weren't ideal because I missed, missed the weight. I had a mm-hmm. problem there. Took in a bit of salt in the week and, it just held the water in my body, so I couldn't get it out. So, um, yeah, I had a malfunction there. Sorry, Carol. Uh, no, sorry. Look, I'm just saying. I've I've got a quote um, afterwards from from Sam um, saying, you know, I don't want to be the Cage Warriors World Champion and have controversy over how I won the title. Let's run it back as soon as possible, which is which is great. Uh, and you know, that's, that's everything you want from a, a you know a martial artist. And and I just want to know, like, but before that sort of statement was made, like, as soon as that fight finished you know you said you were former training partners now you know was there a conversation between you know you and sam about about that 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 tap in the first round no i just i, I was so devastated i like i thought there's no way i was i was really high up on the scorecards at that point and then uh, i was just so devastated that i made a mistake um in the open stance, because I've got my right leg forward and he's got his left leg, uh, I should have shot in with my head on the inside. But I shot to the outside, which you can do, but against Sam with that Marcelatine, I, kn- I knew that was one of his main moves. He, he's uh, teach class in the past, and um, he's just sort of done that Marcelatine as a, uh, as a takedown sort of defender sort of thing as attacking a choke 
And um, yeah, second amateur fight actually. I was on a card when he was having his pro debut, and he he mastered seen the boy with the same same thing and put him out really fast. And uh, yeah, I knew I knew he had that one in the bag, and I was just devastating myself. Uh, so I didn't even uh, bother at that time. I was just sort of yeah, yes, a lot of emotions going on. It was only when I sort of got on the bus, I thought, oh, I've been hard done by here. <laughs> nah. Yeah, yeah I'm going to get a rematch, so. Well, hopefully, in you, for you, you can put everything right. I mean, in, in the lead-up to the first fight, it, it, it felt very respectful. It, it, there was no bad blood between the two of you. Because of the, the phantom tap and everything that's gone on, has that changed at all? Is there any more animosity now, or is, is it still pretty, you know, respectful? Yeah, well, I mean, he's training at my old gym, and I still, uh, well, he does a lot of sparring there, say three, four times a week, because I, I moved from Northampton to Scotland, and he, he's training back at my old gym, BST. So, so I'm still speaking to them guys, and we're all still, still friends as such. But um, he, he tried to, he, he messaged me on Instagram and tried to call me, sort of regarding the whole thing, and I was like. I, I was so in such a bad mood at the time. I, I was just like, let's not talk about it, mate. Get a rematch on. That was sort of all said and done because when Dan had watched the footage back, realised he'd made a mistake, um, he said he he tried to change the result, of course. So, um, yeah, he'd gone home. They were all having like a, a party afterwards and he'd gone home like all upset with himself for making a mistake because he knows what happens to these guys' careers. Like, uh, mm. it set me back a long way, if you know what I mean. It, even if it's just three months, you got another loss on there. It's, it's not good. I was I was hoping uh, what, one more after that one and I would have been straight there in the UFC because, uh, yeah, time's ticking. I'm not going to be hanging around like uh, Sam, say, 33. Uh, I don't know how he does it still. Yeah, still hunting away. I, I want to be um, in the in the UFC way before that. Yeah. But Sam, so you say Sam did reach out to you, and and I think completely understandably, yeah. there's a lot of emotions going on. You don't necessarily want to have that conversation now. But after the fight, after it's all said and done, as long as obviously there's a a respectable finish and there's no controversy or whatever, you think hatchet will be buried. There's no problem. Yeah, because uh, at first I thought in the fight you can see when he took my back. I kind of looked up and smirked at him as if to say, "Like, mate, that, that was a dirty one." But um, yeah, I was speaking to another one of the refs afterwards, Rich Mitchell, and he said it happens that many times in the gym where uh, he probably tapped and didn't even know he tapped. It was just like a panic instinct thing you do in training. And it, and he just carried on. And then looking at it, I kind of do think that's what happens because he has no recollection of doing it. And, um, yeah, obviously, I'm like hyper-extending his arm. And then you can see the arm bar comes on. And then as he taps, I go limp. And then he's on my back. Like, that wouldn't happen in a normal situation. I, I'd just be on my back in a side control. Where it, it's sort of gone straight to my back because I'd, I'd sort of released all, all tension. But um, 
Yeah, I'm I'm over the whole thing, and um, yeah, I'm just happy to get there, get on weight, actually win the belt when I do win, and um, yeah, continue uh, climbing climbing up the ranks. How's camp been going? Yeah, really good. I mean, if if it did do one thing, it definitely lit a fire in my belly to uh, get get this one back, and um, yeah, that, that's it. I I do feel like I owed him another one anyway, and he definitely owes me another one because I I miss weight. I'm not happy about that. That's the first time I've ever ever done that. So um, yeah, I'm I'm just happy to weigh up 125 pounds and then win win the gold as well when I do win. So yeah. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Really good. I mean, to, you know, no, nobody enjoys losing. And, 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 you know, we speak to fighters about how they deal with it mentally, you know, l- losing a fight. But, you know, that must be a, a, a very bitter pill to, to swallow when, you know, you're convinced that you won that fight. And uh, and and you didn't lose it yet. Obviously, the the decision you know uh, didn't go your way. Um, and and so we we spoke to Liam Harrison uh, yesterday, and he said like when when he had his first loss, he he, he just he couldn't cope with it. He, and he was like, right, what can I do to put? And and he moved to Thailand within a matter of weeks to to just completely just change the way he does things. I just wonder what. You know, I don't expect everybody else just to sort of, you know, pack their bags and just go off to a, a, you know, a brand new camp to sort of, you know, restart it. But how do you, you know, how did you process that? And, you know, what have you took from that that you think you're going to bring to the the next fight? Yeah, it's a weird one because I, I won and then lost in the same fight. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if it was a no contest, I'd have been a lot more happy with the whole situation because <clears throat> I've got a loss on my record because the ref essentially didn't didn't see the tap and uh, I might have to do um, that I think he's I can't remember his name now <laughs> this this big Brazilian boy is famous on Polaris for just ripping on these submissions oh mate that's uh, he Pro- refuses to let go then he's a Rosmir Perales or something <laughs> terrifying yeah. man 
Yeah, and it, yeah, you don't want to look like one of them guys, but yeah, I kind of feel like I have to this time round. I definitely won't be letting go till till the ref steps in, uh, regardless of the situation. But um, in in terms of dealing with the loss, I I just well, I made a mistake. It's it's easily done in this sport, but it was devastating. I mean, afterwards, it's it's always gonna hurt but the the only thing you can do is move on and luckily um I spoke to him straight away luckily because Dan obviously said his piece as well um I, I knew I was getting a rematch so that was a slight um, I mean if I hadn't had a rematch and uh I'd have been done really dirty in that respect so I, I would have been in a whole different situation but because I, I knew I was getting the rematch pretty much it was it wasn't confirmed but i knew there was no way they were going to do this i mean when it because of the whole situation with um tickets at the minute because it's covid we're, we're not giving paper tickets to sell ourselves so um and uh yes yeah, it's, it's hard to get there, there's no commission involved online so i didn't actually sell sell that many tickets because it's the right ball late before your fights. And, uh, yeah, one of, one of the fights before COVID, I'd sold 100 tickets and all my friends are in Northampton and I'm in Scotland at the minute. So I'd had to, like, bank transfer back 100 tickets. So it was a right nightmare. Nice. So, yeah, so I didn't, I didn't sell that many, but then half the crowd, which were probably his guys, they were all booing as he was getting the belt wrapped around his waist. So a lot of people seen it. And um, yeah, after the fight, a lot of people were sending me their clips on their phone of of the tap, trying to get the best angle so I could people I didn't even know basically in the crowd. So yeah, it was a a lot of people seen it. Put it put it that way, <laughs> even though it was quite hard to see on the uh, footage. Well, it, it was it was very hard to see because I'm when I I rewatched the fight the other day. And at first, it just happened so quickly. And then there's another angle where uh, Dan, the referee, crosses the camera as the tap is, like, about to happen. So you really do have to get the exact kind of, like, right angle of it to go, oh, there might be something in this. Because when it plays out in real time, I mean, as you mentioned, you flyweights move so quickly that it just happens in, in the blink of an eye and you don't notice it. Uh, unless you're getting a very, very specific angle of it. But um, we, we felt like it was really important to talk about that at the start of this interview because it's a huge narrative with the fight that comes up on is it Sat- Saturday, December the 11th at Cage Warriors 132. But um, now that we've done that, we kind of want to go back and learn a little bit more about, about you and like where you grew yeah. up. And uh, was it Northampton that you grew up in? Yeah, yeah, and it was a small, small village just outside there, Great Donton. But yeah, I was, I was basically in Northampton as as the place to hang out, sort of, <laughs> as a yeah. kid. And um, so, what, how did martial arts become part of your life? I always wanted to do it, and then one day I just went to a kickboxing gym with a friend, and um, yeah, that that sent me off. That was about ten, I think, and then yeah, I'd been training that till about 16 but I realized there was just no money in it you couldn't make a career out of it and uh my parents didn't really want me doing boxing <laughs> so I talked to them uh yeah into 
continuing the kickboxing. And when I was 16, I was like, yeah, it's more wrestling than jiu-jitsu. You, you don't get hit that much, of course. Trying everything I could to start mixed martial arts at 16. And then it was literally every day from then I was um, training for a good, like, three hours a day, every day. I knew it was um, something I wanted to do as a career alongside uh, my normal job at the time. So what you said you, you joined a kickboxing gym at 10 and that you felt like you always wanted to do it. There, there must have been something. Was there like a, a movie or TV show or, or a person in your life that made you think, oh, that's really cool. I want to do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just like everyone else. But on top of that, I was actually, um, I don't know. So it's, see, you're just a kid at nighttime. You, you're walking home. And, you, and you're walking around in fear almost. Like, oh, I, ho- I hope this guy don't come around the corner. I hope that guy don't come around the corner. And it was just like, it's just that weird anxiety that you don't want to have. So I, I'd recommend anyone with that kind of anxiety to learn some, some form of martial arts because it's going to make you a lot more confident in what you're doing. And, um, yeah, that, that's sort of what triggered it off. But I, I just always loved it. And I, I wanted to compete as soon as I started training it. It was just, um, yeah. And when I was 11, I went to the Senai. T- and uh, Senai 2007, that was the last ever one. And that's where I met Michael Bispin and a load of other UFC fighters. And at, at the time, I was in a queue to get his signature. And I didn't even know who he was or what sport it was or anything. <laughs> and uh, it was only till afterwards I went home and done the research. Uh, and, and seen who Michael was and what he'd done. <laughs> so have you still got his signature or anything? Yeah, I've got a good picture of Michael when I was 10. <laughs> have, you sent yeah, it, no. you should, have you sent it to him or anything or said, look, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, now... Yeah. Did he respond? He's a busy boy. He, he didn't see that one, but maybe when I'm in the UFC, I'll show him it. <laughs> oh, definitely, mate. I'm sure he'll be keeping an eye out. I mean, you, you've been Cage Warriors uh, champion and you may very well be again come... Saturday week, so, uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm sure yeah. he'll be keeping an eye out. I love stories like that. Like we saw one with Ian Gary recently, who had a photo with Conor McGregor back when he was about 15 years old, and uh, it's it's always lovely to see that the kind of older generation and when the younger generation have had a photo with them or had a, a nice interaction with them, and then that younger generation come through and are successful. You know, it's always lovely to see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Reading his book back then, I thought he'd already made it. But then uh, reading his book back then, he was—he he didn't get paid for his. Uh, this was when he just won the Ultimate Fighter, and yeah. um, he, he didn't get paid for a good six months. He said in his book at that point, I should have asked him back then if if there was any any money in it. <laughs> I, I just, you see these guys up there, and you think they're loaded. So uh, yeah, I should have said, "Is it worth it, Mike? Is the money there?" <laughs> of course, it is now for him, but. Um, yeah, at the time, you, you just look at these guys think, oh, he's made it. And uh, he, he was flat broke at that time, still living in his parents' house. <laughs> we, uh, we we spoke to Jai uh, Herbert yesterday, um, and he was saying it was only like uh, maybe two or three fights ago you know, in the UFC that he, he stopped scaffolding. Yeah, you know, to 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 focus on being a full time fighter, and you know, have you have you managed to sort of have the luxury of of, of being full time now, or, or do you, are you still working, Luke? Like, what's? Yeah, yeah, I, I was before I was just doing the twelve week camps as a, 
I was stopping work for the 12 weeks and just doing a full fight camp. And um, that was since I moved to Scotland. Before that, I was a full-time plumber and I'd already fought in Cage Warriors once or twice. And then, yeah, moved to Scotland for a change and uh, met James Doolan, my main coach now. And, um, yeah, I just started some nightclub security here and there. Um but I was pretty much training full time. And then any time I had a fight, there was probably six months in between. So I worked for three months, trained for six months. And uh, I'd done that right up until um, the belt fight where I just stayed full time in training. And it was um, it was a bit too much, uh, especially during the lockdown. So I've, I've actually been back in work for this camp, just, just doing four nights a week uh, security. But keeps me out of the house, keeps me off the food, so I'm <laughs> dieting a lot, lot better. And um, yeah, just keeps my mind busy away from um, training, really. Because when you're in there, I'm in there for two hours in the morning, two hours at night, every day, and then you're so knackered in between. It just feels like relentless with your whole life being in the gym. So yeah, I like to mix it up. I'll be happy still still working as, as long as it's something you enjoy doing um in between so yeah i know i know you, um i know what it feels like to go full-time and and work and um yes yeah, whatever you like to do i know a lot of guys that are still doing manual jobs and that they're, they're so strong because of it they can get away with doing just mm. two hours of training at night time i think it's more down to um personalities really and what what you want to do in that respect but you definitely can do it I've I've seen the same things before there was another famous uh, UFC guy in America and he he was on like his fifth or sixth fight and he was still working in a a fried chicken place (laughs) so uh, there's a lot of guys still still working full time jobs and uh, imagine trying to cut weight and you're cooking fried chicken every day (laughs) It's not for me. <laughs> no. I mean, it's crazy that the, the lack of money for even athletes, as you say, that are in like the UFC and, and are on you know, a few fights into their contracts and stuff like that. But um, what one thing I wanted to ask you, Luke, is what's your routine in, in like the hours leading up to the, to the fight? Are, are you someone that gets nervous? Do you control that quite easily? Like, what's your routine like building up to the, 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 the hours before the fight? Yeah, I used to be really nervous. I used to like feel almost tired with anxiety and uh, adrenal adrenal fatigue almost from your weighing point to the rehydration and the rest of it. That uh, I'd try and go to sleep, and then if I couldn't sleep, I was like, "Oh, I'm too nervous. I can't sleep." Uh, this is uh, three, four hours before the fight. Just get a quick power nap, and uh, now I'm just so relaxed that many things have gone wrong before fights had had uh, stomach bugs been been thrown up before you you go out to fight oh the the list's endless so i just try and stay as relaxed as possible now just just take it like a normal day in the gym and uh yeah try not to uh, build too much pressure up because it's, it's a hard enough thing as it is and um yeah, when you start overthinking things, that's when stuff starts to go wrong. Yeah. Well, it hasn't passed for me anyway. 
And uh, I don't want to jump in here, Blake, because I know that you wanted to talk about the walkout, right? Yeah, I can do. Do you want me? Yeah, to go yeah, for go for it. Yeah, well, no, go I, for it. Yeah, I oh. love the walkout. <laughs> I, 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 I love what when Cage Warriors because the UFC don't really do it as much because they've got the uniforms and all that stuff. I love when the Cage Warriors fighters and even some of the Bellator ones as well are able to put their personality or a little gimmick on the walkout. I think it's just showmanship, and I enjoy it. And uh, the last fight in particular with Sam uh, Creasy, you you came out. With uh, radioactive being played by Imagine Dragons, you had the gas mask on. Obviously, your nickname's the Apocalypse, and yeah. I just thought it was great. So, where, where, was that just all tied in because the nickname's the Apocalypse? How did you come up with that? And and is it important for you to kind of have a bit of, of showmanship so that you stand out from a lot of the other fighters? Yeah, definitely. No, it's. Um... Yeah, exactly. It's good fun. But yeah, at first it was I was the apocalypse. And then um, I, I, I added the mask because I, I was walking out for a fight uh, on a Jack Shaw card and, uh, at the, in Cardiff. So there, there was like 5,000 people there all, all booing before you go out. And, and I thought, what can I do to, to, to sort of make this kind of funny? And um I see, all the other guys were getting booed on the way out. I'd obviously already found a mask at this point. And, um, yeah, as I put it on, it's funny because all, all the boos before you hit the arena. And then uh, as soon as they, they see you and hit it, it all just went silent because they're like, what? I wasn't expecting this. And, um, yeah, it just it's definitely silenced the crowd. And then uh, I went and beat one of their guys, and I think they were more happy about it because I'd come out in the mask. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's no, a good it's trick. It makes you stand out. I, like, I, I'm always a big fan of when, when fighters just try and show a little bit more of their personality in the lead-up to the actual fight itself. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a crazy thing, too, um, when you when you got this mask on with, with these uh, like tinted green goggles on them, so <laughs> yeah, it's good fun. It's good fun. And and, and as you're kind of putting you know you, yourself through camp, and you know the the, the 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 physical side of things is you know undoubtedly you know really really harsh on you. Um, how hard are you on yourself, like mentally, you know, through through the training and that? How much sort of pressure do you put on yourself? And, you know, if you have a bad day in the gym, like, you know, you beat yourself up over that, like, how much sort of pressure do you, you know, do you put on yourself, Luke? Yeah, a lot, really. Um, yeah, it's it's just been non-stop this last two years with fights because um, I'd gone from um, winning the belt to... Uh, celebrating for a week and then that's that's eight weeks difference between your fights so you've ruined a week and then seven weeks straight back in the gym and I, I was beating myself up about that one because I put on all this weight in between winning the belt and then uh, your whole fight camp you're just trying to get all this weight off from what you've been just having a week of drinking and eating basically and I was beating myself up and up about that one and then, of course, uh, I went and I actually lost the belt. And uh, most of that was due to having an awful weight cut. I'm feeling terrible in there. And um, then, yeah, just fighting again, do, doing this, the same thing pretty much. And then again, uh, I'm definitely going to take a break after this one because 
it, even in the one where it, it was a four-man tournament to win the belt this time round. And um, the semi-final is in September. And I'd actually had a war with that Nicolas Lebon. I had a bit of um, a sore head, took a lot of damage, etc. And I hadn't really sparred for this camp because I thought there's no point taking any damage. I'm mm. fighting in eight weeks. So I was beating myself up a bit about that one because I, I was having to rest a lot in between leading up to this fight. Just sort of recovery, really. Like just trying to get as much sleep as possible. And then if I weren't feeling too good, I wouldn't, wouldn't train. But um, luckily in this one, I didn't take any damage. Came out really fresh and I've been putting in like four hours of training every day. So, yeah, and I'm really, I've had a few off sessions where I'm, low on calories and getting beat by guys I probably shouldn't get beat by in the gym, but I don't, I don't really beat myself up about it. I just move on to the next one and uh, make make it right because yeah, you can't really move forward if you're just beating yourself up about certain things you've done in the past. Yeah, you you mentioned being the, the Cage Warriors champion and uh, you're hoping to be so again. When you are Cage Warriors champion, you know that the UFC isn't far away. That they're, they're, they're going to be keeping an eye on you. Um, how how far away? If you win the the, the belt on on the eleventh, how far away do you think you are from a UFC contract? I've had um, I've had big management companies. Uh, one of one of the ones that manages Jorge Masvidal, they've reached out and said. Look, we've seen the fight. We've seen you got the tap. We'll get you on the Contender Series. And uh, at the time, I was thinking, that sounds pretty good. But then I was like, I'm not running away from the this fight that I've... Yeah. It's not really over, finished. So um, I, I, think, I think I'm just one fight away. But that's if you put on a good performance. If you, if you don't win decisively, then... Uh, really show that you UFC level, then God knows how long it's going to take. UFC want to see finishes and decisive performances. And then that's how you get signed up, I think. Especially being in the UK, it's harder to get signed over. You need to do something special. Yeah. And then and then they'll hit you up, no doubt. And so, did, yeah, I think one, one, really. Did you sign with that management company or have you kind of just put that off for now? Uh, I think I'm going to get in touch again and just say, yeah, I'm going to win the belt back on the 11th. I'll sign with you on the 12th. And uh, yeah, they said the offer's always there. So Brilliant. And and you're happy with the idea of a contender series fight? Because in a way that we, we had Corey McKenna on uh, recently who, who got into the UFC via the, uh, the, the contender series. Yeah. And from the outside looking in, it almost feels like almost like another title because it's one fight. And if you win that fight, particularly in good fashion, that's it. The contract's there. You're not fighting for the belt. You're fighting for the contract, but the, the rewards might be even greater. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems, especially for us little guys, it's harder to uh, get on shows. Like um, there's only a straight route in the UK, really, where you go through uh, cage warriors and then you get to the UFC other divisions, they've got places like Bellator, crossovers, 
they can get on our other shows. We've just got one straight route. It's probably Cage Warriors Contender Series UFC or just straight to the UFC. So whichever route you take, it's it's pretty much the same. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy either way. But yeah, I wouldn't mind to go on the Contender Series. That's for sure. But uh, obviously, the UFC is better. Just just go straight there. Show, show them you're ready and. Yeah, I'm happy either way. So, with this kind of talk of of you know making that that statement fight to get in the UFC, and you know, as you said, UFC want to see finishes, and and you know, with all of that in mind, what what can we expect from Luke Shanks on the eleventh? Yeah, I think um, definitely the same fight as last time. With, with not the mistake of the takedown and because um, the finish was coming in that fight um, I was well up on the scorecards and, and the finish was going to come again and uh, yeah I just made one one little mistake against a jiu-jitsu black belt and it's all over really it was um, I'd seen about four weeks before we fought he, he'd been awarded his uh, black belt in jiu-jitsu so I was like I really want to submit this guy just yeah. It's just a thing of, of course, you get, you see someone get something like that, and you're like, oh yeah, I really want to submit him now. Under did, but <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely going to get a finish. Yeah, well, Luke, we wish you the best for that. We 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 we're aware we we uh, we haven't got a huge amount of time left with you, but I wanted to ask you something um, about the flyweights in general because there was a narrative out there a little while ago that the UFC were going to get rid of the the flyweight division. And then Henry Cejudo came in and he's taken a lot of credit publicly for saving the flyweights in the way that only Henry Cejudo can. Um, what's your take on the UFC flyweight division at the moment? Because from my eyes, it seems like it's had quite a resurgence with the likes of like Moreno becoming champion. His fights with Figueredo were great, particularly that first one that ended in a draw. And then you've got Cody Garbrandt dropping down to fight Kai Kara France very, very soon. And um, Askar Askarov and uh, Pantoja in there as well. What do you think of the state of the UFC flyweight division at the moment? And how would you fit into it if you got the opportunity? Yeah, um, no, that's a good question. Yeah, I think Dana was saying that at the time because the division had sort of died off. It wasn't very exciting. And um, I think since then it did set a surge from from these lighter guys to like really entertain because the, there's a lot of factors really. It's harder to get a knockout when you're uh, weighing in at 125 pounds compared to 205 pounds or whatever. So... Um, there's always that perspective, but then um, there's guys that can still do it. So, um, yeah, the, the division's really exciting now. And, um, yeah, I couldn't, I, I never really could see it going away anytime soon. But um, if he's thinking about cutting it, it does mean stuff like fighter pay and stuff like that's going to be lower. But it seems, again, to have made a rise when it when they sort of talks of cutting it off. It definitely, like, uh, heated it up a lot more than uh, before, but yeah, it's not good. Places like Bellator, they don't even have a flyweight division, so it's a bit, yeah. it's a bit like you don't feel very valued if they don't even, they're not even considering doing one. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's obviously the hardest. It can it can be the easiest and the hardest to get where you want to be because there's less guys, but there's there's also um, less opportunities. So you've got to take them uh, take them when you can, and uh, that's what I've always done my whole career. And um, yeah, I've said after this fight, oh, I'm done for a long while, maybe three months off, just um, just to sort of take a break because it's been non-stop yeah. this last two years. But I know if they called up on five, six days notice, oh, I'd still, I still need to stay ready for that. So yeah, I, I might say I'm going to take a long break just just to have peace of mind in this fight camp so I can just push and then say yeah you're going to take a break but whether I actually do or not is probably a different question <laughs> well it's, it's good to know that you're open to those uh, last minute opportunities as well because I suppose you, you have to be nowadays yeah definitely yeah yeah that's it there's people begging at the opportunity all around the world so you've you got to be first and you've got to be ready so yeah definitely absolutely well ahead of that go get that strap uh, on the 11th and yeah Luke wish you all the best thanks so much for giving up your time today mate it's been a real pleasure uh, cheers Stu and cheers Blake thanks a lot guys cheers mate all the best best of luck thanks ma'am. there you go there you go thank you very much Luke Shanks that was a good one yeah absolutely it's really interesting to get his thoughts on on the tap and everything that's going on with it. Also really interesting to know that Sam's reached out to him, but you know, uh, the, and I completely understandably, as I said in the interview, the emotions are running high in this situation from, from Luke's point of view, he won the fight within 30 seconds of the first round. He was, uh, previously the flyweight champ. I believe Jake Hadley beat him and Jake Hadley's gone on to win his uh, contender series fight and is now fighting in the UFC or will be getting a fight in the UFC soon. Um, So Luke's thinking to himself, if I win that belt back and submitting uh, Sam Creasy in 30 seconds of the first round, becoming champion again, could be getting a, a, a... an opportunity to go to the UFC straight away or maybe just defend the belt once more and then get an opportunity to to go to the UFC. And from his point of view, because the tap was missed, it set him back in his career, which is, you know, you can really understand someone feeling hard done by and upset about that. So I can understand why... Respect, he... Respectful with it, though. Like, yeah, you oh, know, 100%. There's no, there's no trash talk, is there? No. It's like... You know he's uh, he, he's been a real gent about it as well, and, yeah. and, and it appears from you know from the statement that we you know that that, uh, that that we read out in there from from Sam, he's very much that as well. So uh, yeah, I think you know there's a there's a score to be settled, and uh, and yeah, can't wait to see it. Absolutely, I think it'll be a cracking fight. Um, as we said, it's Saturday the 11th as part of the Cage Warriors 132 as part of their double trouble, as you called extravaganza. Uh, yeah. So look forward to that on Fight Pass. And uh, yeah, any more to say? Absolutely. Yeah, I just want to plug the podcast. So uh, if uh, you like listening to us uh, chatting to fighters, then aside from the abundance of, of, of Cage Warriors um, interviews that we've done recently that will all be literally pouring uh, out onto our platforms uh, over the next sort of day or so, um, 
We've also spoke to former Cage Warriors, uh, now UFC superstars in the making, Paddy the Baddy, Pimlet and Ian Gary. Um, often seen in the octagon as well, Mark Goddard, uh, uh, Cage Warriors, and obviously, you know, legendary UFC ref. That's a wonderful chat. I imagine, I don't know for sure if he's going to be there for Double Trouble, but he's generally got some headphones and a microphone on. Dan Hardy, uh, episode with Dan Hardy, is a wonderful listen. Um, and then aside from that, you know, if we, we're going to move into the realms of guests that we've had on from the UFC, uh, Mr. Harrison, who we got? Alexander Volkanovsky, Tyron Woodley, um, Arnold Allen, Paul Craig, Molly McCann, Joanne Wood, formerly Jojo Calderwood, mm-hmm. uh, Angela Hill, Derek Brunson, uh, Jack Shaw, Brett Johns. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Mason Jones, uh, Chris Barnett, uh, UFC heavyweight. Yeah, that's a cracking uh, episode with, with with Chris Barnett. He's such a joyful human. Um, and uh, yeah, and as I say, the list goes on and on. We've had so many fighters on this show now and we're really privileged to have had them on the show so go and listen to those episodes and as we've said before those episodes age incredibly well because you don't just hear fighters talk about specific fights well today was maybe a little bit more of an exception with with Luke we did talk quite more specifically about his fight with Sam Creasy that's gone and and is coming up but a lot of our 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 episodes are with fighters that are out of camp and are just talking about their careers in general and what led them to martial arts and and their opinions and some of the things outside of martial arts but might be slightly linked and it's always quite fascinating to to get that and and their opinions on fights that are coming up and, and stuff like that so go and check those out Absolutely. You can listen to them in all the usual places where uh, people get their podcasts from. Acast, Spotify, oh, where else? iTunes, all the usual places. And we've got a YouTube channel. So you can go and watch all of these chats. So if you want to see uh, my aging grey um, kind of badger-esque face and you want to see um, Blake's rugged, uh, rugged chiselled jawline, then uh, go over there and you can watch us having uh, these, these wonderful natters with these uh, incredible human beings and yeah and just lastly thanks thanks for uh, for listening and thanks for supporting this podcast because uh, what a year it's been yeah I mean well less than a year isn't it it's been like oh well it has been for me it sounded like it weren't for you yeah <laughs> no, no, less than, to be honest oh, yeah. I'm oh, yeah. Getting, oh, no, yeah 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 of course yeah yeah I'm yeah, still yeah. getting over you calling me like having a rugged jawline <laughs> like, so I was really expecting after you called yourself like badger I was like what's coming for me like weasel weaselly you're gonna say weaselly or something but you didn't you were complimentary and I was surprised um, so yes but yeah uh, it has been it's been a phenomenal uh, year if you want to call it a year you know mm. year eight months whatever it's been thanks so much for enjoying the show and ladies and gentlemen we'll leave it at that and you can go and check out some other uh, interviews we've got especially the ones in the lead up to this uh, Cage Warriors Double Trouble if you haven't listened to the Sam Creasy one yet maybe that'd be a good one to listen to next to see the other side of the story and we'll see you on the other side laters bye